thought I was the coolest person ever because I've never raced a bike before, but my parents were Olympians, my mom won a gold medal, and I was just a, I was just a little shit. I was not, I was not a nice guy. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast. The weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 11 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist will never, ever wear porno nicks. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who was a little shit when they were younger. The podcast, it is on iTunes and you can subscribe by going to semiprocycling.com and clicking on the subscribe in the menu. Also, if you like the show, please take some time out to write a comment. I love hearing what everyone's up to. Thanks. Well, that's the welter done. And not much to say, really. If you caught it, you would know how good the racing was for yourself. The talk is that most people thought it was their favorite tour of the year, and i got to say, I'm right there with them. My highlights, really, Contador taking it from the front, attacking to win the race on stage 17, Gilbert's two victories, and, how can I forget, Simon Clark taking the KOM jersey. Call me, baby. Go, Aussie. And while we're on the topic of Aussies, Jero, nice win. Who's going to be watching the Worlds this year with super excitement? That would be me. I'm pumped for this. I'm not sick of cycling racing yet, even though I want to get out my bike a little more. I'm super excited to watch the Worlds. It's going to be an awesome race because there are some big guns coming into form. It's going to be hot. I'm going to report back not long to go now. So this is my last installment of the Tour of Duty ride updates. They finished as of 2 o'clock yesterday in New York, New York. The city's so nice they named it twice. I stole that from the US Open coverage I was watching yesterday. Anyway, I don't have any stats on the ride, but it's been fun following it along, checking in on their Facebook page. I want to say to everyone that did it, you've done a killer job. Congratulations on sticking it out and doing such a mammic effort to get across the country on pushies, to meet all those peeps, to get up day after day and keep doing it. Pretty awesome stuff. And to tie. You never called. I'm going to have to track you down, buddy. That's it for another year for them. Last year was running. This year was riding. I can't wait to see what they do next year. So let's get to the nuts and bolts. And this week, we're talking about tracking off the bike for better recovery. So the goal here is to turn everything that we do off the bike that has a meaningful difference to our performance on the bike into quantifiable output. So what I'm meaning here is getting some hard data down for every single measurement that we could put forward so that we can make decisions on where to go for that day's training, for that month's training, where we're at overall in the cycle of training in mid-season, start of season, end of season. Using all this data, putting it in, and then using it in a meaningful way. In this instance, though, I'm going to talk about monitoring for your state of recovery. And I've got to admit here that I'm indulging a little bit with this topic because it really does fascinate me. It's because it's only at the beginning of things to come. And I thought it would be interesting to kind of combine these two interests of mine and look at the implications with something that we love, which is cycling. 
So what am I talking about? In this regard, I'm talking about quantified self. It's a newish way of looking at personal health data, and it also has future applications for athletes. It's still a very, very new concept, and it's slowly being realized through technology, but it has a long way to go before its potential is realized. I'm going to put together what I know about recovery and quantified self to give you the best markers and how to quantify them, plus a few tools to automate the process. So before we get into that, what is quantified self? The quantified self movement is all about people really wanting to um, use the technology that's becoming available now to better measure, track, and understand um, themselves. That was Oliver Wilder Smith, project manager at Affectia, a company that measures the emotional connection that people have with brands and advertisers. Not bike-related, but are you beginning to understand quantified self-potential when adapted to athletes? You're probably thinking that you already do this, and you would be right, because your Garmin is pretty amazing and has some pretty amazing capabilities, especially if it's coupled with a heart rate monitor and a power meter. But there's more to it. What happens when you step off the bike? Everything that is not training is recovery. So the results of your training don't happen in training themselves. It makes perfect sense then that recording everything off the bike is the next logical step. Already in the quantified space are products like Inside Tracker, which is a blood tracking software. So you're getting blood tests done and then all the data then goes into this software so you can track it over time to see where you're at. RestWise, which is recovery tracking software. Kinetic has some athletic monitoring software for coaches of say large football teams or whatever they're all punching it in every day and if there are any problems with any athletes within the team then the coach automatically gets notified and then they can jump on the case and fix whatever the problems are other things like the fitbit which tracks activity like steps and stairs and measures sleep and watches like my basis nike fuel band and the motorola moto active which you wear 24 hours a day and they're recording every single move you make when it comes to the activity level, your heart rate, your sleep. This is the future. And so the next generation of recovery not only takes objective data into account, but it takes qualitative measures and uses an algorithm to mine for meaningful data depending on your desired output. Now, that's something that's not even invented yet, but I'm sure that's the direction they're going because that's the direction it should be in order for us to get some meaningful results from it. In the case of better recovery and performance on the bike, the way I'm thinking about quantifying recovery is by focusing on things that can be measured day to day by us. So not blood, for example. I'm looking at objective and subjective markers and ways to quantify them so that you can get started right away. One quick note though, subjective measures require honest answers for them to be the most effective and produce the most consistent results. This is also something to get used to because who hasn't lied to themselves when they're feeling run down and they still go out and smash themselves because I know I have. What are we looking for? Signs of overreaching and overtraining. I'm going to break it down like this. Overreaching is defined as an accumulation of training and or non-training stress resulting in short-term decrement of performance with or without related psychological and physiological signs and symptoms of overtraining in which restoration of performance capacity may take from several days to several weeks. Next level after overreaching is overtraining. Now overtraining has exactly the same definition except for the time period which it can last from several weeks to several months or even longer. Are you at a risk of overtraining? This is kind of what I'm getting at, what we're measuring. The risk here is that we're working harder than you're actually recovering or you're actually capable of in the first place. Also, it's not only for conditioning, it's for mental health and 
injury prevention. So going hard too long doesn't do anyone any good. Overreaching, on the other hand, is where we make our gains. So by measuring overtraining markers, you can see over time where you're struggling rather than just measuring input, like how much food you're eating. We're going to look at the output, like how is your appetite? So here are six markers to get you started. So the first two, your heart rate through one, your sleeping heart rate, and two, through an orthostatic test. The studies are conflicting when it comes to using your heart rate as an indicator of overtraining. Your resting heart rate can be affected by so many factors such as environmental temperature, state of hydration, dehydration, altitude, drugs like caffeine and other parameters. So it's not an absolute measure like watts, for example. So rather than using an increase in resting heart rate as a sign of overtraining, some studies have shown that sleeping heart rate is a more reliable measure. Temperature, stress and other issues are less likely to have an effect on the heart rate measured while sleeping. We're really just talking about here before you're getting out of bed. With the advent of smartphone apps such as What's My Heart Rate, which takes your heart rate with your camera based on the fluctuations in your blood movement. And there's another one from AppZoomio, a heart rate measure that you put your, it's essentially the same thing, but you're just putting your finger over the camera itself. Now, I didn't believe that this was true and I didn't believe you could get an instant measure but I, I have used Azumio for a while now, and it's accurate. It is a little tricky when you're trying to get your finger on there. You have to be in the right light as well so that the camera can pick it up accurately. But once you know the light situation that you need and you get your finger on there, it works perfectly, and it's instant. So there's none of this stuffing around by either getting a cold heart rate strap on in the morning or counting it out against uh, a watch or whatever just have to use your phone to record it instantly and then it measures it and holds it for you as well so you can see that over time. So heart rate sleeping should be relatively steady and if your sleeping heart rate increases more than 5% it should be a good indication that it's time to decrease the volume and intensity of your training or at least that you should reduce the workload for that one day. So moving on to the second part, the orthostatic test, it's another way to check your heart rate just to be sure, to be sure, to be sure. Just like resting heart rate is a bit iffy, we can offset any variables in sleeping heart rate by testing the heart in different ways. So check it out and record your findings the same way as your sleeping heart rate, except I don't know any automatic way that you can test this out yet. The easiest way is probably to put your heart rate strap on, hit record on your watch, and then you have a, you have a data file in your training program that you use to log anything you do. So the orthostatic test, it's quite simple. It's a little bit more involved. It's slightly longer than just lying in bed, but you're starting off lying in bed until you have a baseline, which is just a consistent heart rate. So this can take up to 10 minutes. And then after that's done, then stand up and watch the results as your heart shifts. So you'll be noting down your heart rate at certain intervals, and those intervals are 15 seconds, 90 seconds, and 120 seconds. And what you're wanting to do is to find your average heart rate from the 90 to the 120 second period. So note this number because that's the number that you are most interested in because if you have a higher average heart rate in that period, then there is evidence that there is strain on the sympathetic nervous system, meaning that the body is not quite adequately recovered yet. So tracking yourself with this one over time and performing the test at the same time of day and the same stage of the week is going to give the best results. All right, so moving now to body weight and height hydration. Unusual gains or losses or wide fluctuations in weight are a sign associated with overtraining. Weight loss can mean your body is having trouble repairing itself and it may also be linked to poor hydration. The semi-pro way is to measure this with a Withings scale. This bad boy automatically tracks your weight and records it via Wi-Fi. 
Remember to weigh yourself after your first morning toilet break. And speaking of toilet breaks, another good measure of hydration is the color of your urine. We all know this one, right? That the darker the urine is, that the more dehydrated you are. I'm not a doctor, but I've always gone by the rule that your first whiz in the morning should be a little darker than the rest of the day. So don't flip out too much if it's not clear from the start. But a simple way to measure this is probably just scaling it based on general colors. So, for example, if they're light, dark, darker, and if you could put a number to that measurement, then that's going to be a good way to watch it over time, where the higher score can indicate being more dehydrated. This can be a helpful measure if you're looking at something over a week or a month or even longer to see just general periods and how your hydration has been tracking. Well, you could measure the color against the chart, but just having a consistent approach here is all that's really needed. And the final two, sleep, quantity, and quality. Sleep is critical to recovery and it must be stressed that generally the more sleep the better. During sleep the body repairs itself and and rebalances itself hormonally. So poor sleep can be an indicator and a contributing factor to overtraining. After any training day you must add at least a minimum of one hour to your normal routine. A way to quantify how much extra you need is by adding 30 seconds of sleep for every minute on the bike. So a two hour ride roughly equals one hour extra sleep. So we just looked at the quantity. What about the quality? How can we measure the quality? Well, we can take that away from our minds totally and outsource it to a product. There is technology that has already been developed to record our sleep levels. The Zio is this technology. So it straps to your head while you sleep. It's not bulky. It's not going to interfere with your sleep at all. And it records your sleep phases and time spent in each one. And then it makes recommendations just for you on how to improve them. It is boss technology. I don't own one, but from what I read and from the people that I do know that own them, that they work. This is another one that is connected to uh, a smartphone app or there's a bigger system that's next to your bed and it's the same thing where it's just automatically going to track this. You can just check in to see where you're at and especially if you feel that you had a, a bad sleep, then you can see what the effect on your training and your recovery actually is. And I do have a link in the show notes regarding a blog post that I found on improving your sleep and they're killer tips. They're not just generic Um, sleep hygiene tips. These are killer tips that will actually help you out here and they're quite forward thinking. They're on the edge. In conclusion, none of these measurements should be looked in isolation because they're not absolute measurements. This is the tricky thing when it comes to recording anything. It's a habitual nightmare. What I mean by that is changing your habits to get these recorded. If you don't record these things normally, it's going to be a big, long, slow process to move these into your daily routine. Now, I can see the benefits of this, and I hope you can see the benefits as well, but how the hell do you get them into your routine and consistently do it? Ultimately, the best and the most useful measurement is the one that you can repeat regularly so that you can store a history of what's normal for you. That lets you catch abnormal readings and correct them before the damage is done. Now, the best way to capture the markers mentioned would be a central place with charts and readings stored automatically. This does not exist. I wish it existed. Here's my dream for the quantified athlete summed up nicely by Ben Rubin, which is he happens to be the co-founder of Zio. The ultimate vision that I have for quantified self is you wake up, you go about your everyday life, and without you even having thought about it, first of all, everything's been measured. Two, there's a set of smart algorithms developed by all these world-leading scientists and all of this knowledge and data that's out there that then takes your personal situation and says things like, hey, Joe, we actually noticed that 
you know, today you're not doing well productivity-wise, you're sort of sucking wind. And to fix that, one, you're gonna go to the gym because you know, we've seen that when you go to the gym, you're much more productive the rest of the day. Two, you know, you're not gonna drink past 5 p.m. tonight. We know you have you know, a dinner, you can have one drink. Three, you're gonna go to bed early. And if you can do all those things, we guarantee you're gonna be a better performer. And by the way, we've sent your boss an email so you can get out early, and we've already made a reservation at the squash court. That's the level that this will come to, where technology is helping you enhance your health. So take what he just said and imagine the cycling equivalent supplying you with data so you can make better decisions on your training so it incorporates your entire life. I know it would kill all of my excuses. I don't know if that would be a good or a bad thing. But in the meantime, before this technology is even invented, I'm looking for something that takes automatic recordings from the items mentioned above and stores the data in a meaningful way so I can make better decisions. If anyone wants to invent this for me, please do. I will give you a ton of feedback a ton of data and then we'll see what happens anyway boss i hope you enjoyed that stuff i'm excited about the future of this and i'm excited about automation of all of this stuff because tracking through spreadsheets and stuff while it's handy it can be tedious boring and hard to remember so let's get to the tech hacks and products section and while we're on the topic of tracking i wanted to mention a product that i've been interested in ever since i joined up for the prey project for my mac if you don't know what the prey project is it's basically enabling tracking if, if your mac or your computer ever gets stolen then they can track where it is they can use your cam to take pictures of the person using it they can see the websites that they're going to it's a great way of gps tracking stolen goods and it makes total sense that I'd want to keep my bike safe. So I looked up and I found a bike solution called SpyBike. It's a tracker that's located in a tube that slips into the steerer tube and it's fastened with a headset cap. It's not going to be totally compliant with the rules of cool, but there is a massive upside. So you carry around a fob that when swiped over the cap, it arms the device. So anytime you're not using the bike, so when the bike moves, gets stolen, there's a vibration tracker that begins updating its coordinates. Once it begins doing this, it sends you an SMS, so then you can go and track it via the company's software. So all you have to do is log on somewhere and you can track it. Imagine the confrontation on this. Bam, it would be hardcore. I'm sure that there would have to be some cool clips on confrontations, but... Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. This looks like a killer way. I'm sure they're going to refine it over time because it does look a bit bulky and it may stand out if you've got a sexy looking bike. I don't know where else you could incorporate it, but I'm sure this is happening. I do see a startup on its way in Portland, of course, of all places. Um, I don't know what the future for this is other than smaller and better located. But right now, this is still pretty cool technology and I would love this confrontation. If anyone has this, their bikes have been stolen, you're near me, get in touch. I want to be there when you hit up the person that's stolen it. I reckon it'd be super fun, but I'm not a mean dude, so don't get the wrong impression. Okay, let's get to that quote from the top of the show. It's Taylor Finney's speech at TJ Van Garderen's wedding. There's a little bit of insight into the man there and there's also some singing that went along with it. I'll pop that at the end of the show so you can listen to it. I don't know how far you're going to get through it because it's pretty ugly. But that's it for another week. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into.